All right, what's up, guys? It's Sarah Rogo, but you probably already knew that. Um, welcome to my podcast, Alchemy Through Artistry. You know, I started this podcast, and I thought it was going to be one thing, but it's slowly evolving into something else, which I kind of knew it would. Um, you know, many of the episodes so far have almost been like a type of um, journal, so to speak. And uh, today, I wanted to talk a little bit about my new record coming out. I'm super excited. I have an album of 10 songs um, that's going to be released very shortly, and I wanted to uh, bring on Mitchell Hauser, the producer for the album. So he's sitting right next to me. What's up, Mitchell? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. How's uh, it going? Oh, it's going it's going good. <laughs> okay, good. Excellent. We're wow. we're on the, we're on his couch in uh in the studio that we recorded the project on. And um yeah, we've been reflecting on, you know, what a great experience uh recording this project has been because it's been a journey, really. I mean, as as any album really is. Um so I wanted to shed light on that journey a little bit. Um, and kind of walk you through maybe one track at a time and, and talk about the tracks and how they evolved and why I wrote them or why we chose them. Um, but first I want to say I'm, I'm super excited about this record, um, because it is co-produced with Mitchell. Um, I wanted to make a project that felt really stripped down and, super super vibey <laughs> I love Taylor just walk Taylor's the drummer drummer of the album just walks in hey, what's up Taylor <laughs> no it's okay Taylor Bye. god damn it <laughs> come back later come no, back okay. later come it's talk about the record it's okay. I'm very sorry alright bye <laughs> <laughs> should we should we keep that in or what yeah sure Sure. Well, he's a part of it, you know, just stumbling his way through the stumbling record. Stumbling his way through the Stumbling his way through the song. Yep. Stumbling his way. Well, so yeah, that, that was Taylor Robinson. Yes. Excellent drummer. Best um, of the best. Best of the best. He, he plays on this record. Um, but anyway, I wanted to make um, a project that was very stripped down and raw and gritty and vulnerable all at once and dark and, and light very elemental um and yeah mystical really so uh Mitchell was just the perfect person to come to I love his studio it's a it's a studio in Los Angeles out in the valley and it just has really good vibes um and it felt like a real safe space for me to to get to know myself in the recording situation because um I don't know if anybody is aware of this but recording music is so scary for me <laughs> I can rep- I can perform for for thousands millions trillions of people on stage but to be all alone right in front of a microphone is like one of the the most scary things that that you can do Totally it's a weird hurdle to get over for sure um you know I mean, and likewise, I mean, it's, they're two very different things. Uh, you know, you can be really well practiced playing in front of a bunch of people and have trouble with recording situations. And the other way can be totally true as well. You know, you can, can, I, for instance, have spent a lot of time recording 
and uh, uh, you know, the last eight or nine years of my life recording and getting really comfortable with it, you know. Um, so I kind of try to enter most of my recording situations with no fear at this point. And uh, but you know, going into live performance uh, scenarios can often be daunting for me just because I don't play live very much, you know. So it's a different muscle, mm-hmm. and that's what I've learned. Um, I mean, there's a few times within the course of making this this album with you that I've just completely broken down. I mean, everything from like crying to like wanting to smash my guitar to <laughs> to wanting yeah. to like give up. But you you were really good at um, putting things into perspective um, and making mm-hmm. me understand. A deeper part of myself that I didn't necessarily know was there. Yeah, and I think recording recording is really good at that. Yeah, totally. So, and I think that that's it's really important to talk about because you know you listen to a record that you love, and oftentimes you don't really think anything of it about the process that this artist and the producer and and there's just there's such a team involved in making a record. Um, and it's a beautiful, beautiful, sacred process. Um, so yeah, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about this, about this process. I, I, I kind of want to start going song by song and we can kind of just spin off from there. Cool. Awesome. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll, uh, talk a little bit about each song. I'll play a little clip, um, of each song and tell you a little story behind it. All right. So the first song is called Pieces, and I wrote it actually in Indonesia. And I met a lot of really cool female travelers when I was there and had a lot of really good conversations about, you know, what it's like to be a woman. And um, so I, I met this wonderful young woman named Kato from Belgium, and, and we had a long conversation over coffee um, about basically laying boundaries with men, um, and the song was born. So let's hear a little bit of it. Just so you know, I'm here to keep what's mine. Pieces of a woman's heart, not there to go and break apart. Let a lady have herself. Before she gives to someone else Pieces of a woman's soul Not there to go and take control Love a lady, let her go And she'll come back and let you see the pieces One thing that I really enjoy about uh, the process for this entire record um, which this song captures very well, is that, uh, no pun intended, but like a lot of the time we didn't record it in pieces. We actually recorded it, uh, uh, the performances, the way that you're used to playing them live. Uh, so pieces is you know, very obviously a, a performance that you're just playing guitar and singing and, and you're doing it at the same time. Um, but that's something that we're doing on uh, most of the songs, actually. Yeah, most of the songs. It's yeah. just kind of a live yeah. type 
type take. Yeah, if we like overdubbed things after the fact, uh, it still doesn't take away from the fact that we started by actually taking the performance the way that you're used to doing it and adding from there instead of trying to recreate the energy of yeah. of what you normally do. We actually just captured that to start and then, you know, kind of laid in that as the foundation and started working from there, um, which I thought was really strong, honestly. Um, you know, obviously there's no way, no wrong way to do a record. Um, but the best way to do a record is always, I think, whatever's the most comfortable for an artist. And, yeah. and I think specifically for you, that, that was probably... Performing live, yeah. Well, and I think it captures, like, an, the, the essence that I wanted for the album, which is very real, you know, and very personal. And a lot of my favorite personal um, albums in history have been, you know, kind of live style albums, you know, like Bob Dylan just sitting at the piano in the studio and just singing and playing at the same time. Aretha Franklin mm-hmm. is the same way. Yep. Um, Billy Joel? Oh, no. Yeah, Billy Joel. I just yeah. heard that the other day. He uh, literally everything that he always, that he ever performed on record, uh, yeah. that was piano and vocal. And the vocals that they used were, the final vocals were always the vocals that he performed yeah, isn't that on funny? the piano. Which is like amazing because his vocal performance is well, incredible. Well, when I when I play guitar and I sing, it's almost it's like these two separate things fuse into one, mm-hmm. yeah. one, one voice. Boom. So it's like sometimes when you try to separate them, at least for me, mm-hmm. um, it's not that it's like bad. It's just like not the same, you know. Yeah, totally. Um, but but anyway, I I loved the song pieces because. Not only does it have a message that I really believe in, but I love the tones of the song. I love, um, you know, the guitar part and and the feeling that that modal feeling of the guitar and and mm-hmm. because I wrote it when I was in Bali, when I was in Indonesia, and you know, when I would close my eyes and touch my guitar, that type of melody would just keep coming out. So mm-hmm. it was almost like that melody was like resting in the earth. Totally. Um, and that's why I just I love that song. Yeah. Um, and I think it was a bold way to start, start the album too. It's just me and my guitar. Absolutely. I mean, that's, uh, I think you were saying as well, like that you, that you struggle with, uh, people's perceptions of you being, uh, you know, and we all do. I mean, I struggle with this too. I, I hate it when people try to label me as anything. Um, and I think it's a really great way to start by just like having a song that's not, uh, not like a blues song or something that you admittedly are very good at, um, but it's something that is is very stripped down. Uh, it's you performing uh, straight from the heart and also saying something like very serious. You know, I mean, like the lyrics are are genuinely some of my favorite lyrics on the record, and and it would just have been you know doing the song a disservice on some levels i mean it could have been it could have been nice to add stuff to it always but like it's a it's a really great way to just like make a statement right away Mm, with some really solid lyrics a beautiful song and and just you so like it's it's clear that like you know this record is coming from you and 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 the choices that were made on it were all choices that you as an artist and as a producer um at least okayed you know you weren't like you weren't you know your your authority was never superseded. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so okay, so track number two, um, it's called "Here Goes Nothing," 
And I wrote this song a while ago. I think I wrote it about two years ago, um, or at least started it about two years ago and finished it recently. And I, it was the first song I ever wrote, written on the piano. Um, and it's just a very, it's a simple love song um, with a play on the the phrase like, you know, here goes nothing. Or like, you know, I think you're something. So here goes nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, let, let's hear a little bit of here goes nothing. This song is great. I love I love that you always push me to play piano on things. Um, and uh, and it was super cool working on the arrangement and like figuring that out. I, I remember that we started it once again by trying to perform it together. We ended up recording it separately. Um, so I played piano first and then you sang. Um, but we had worked out the arrangement together that night playing it together mm-hmm. and getting really comfortable with the way it sounded. Yeah, and I loved, um, you know, Mitchell had this idea of... of of adding these light harmonies um, later on in the song. And it kind of almost sounds like a a very subtle gospel choir behind me. Mm -hmm. And then the simple, um, you know, haunting slide guitar. It's kind of like a melody of like a heart string or something Mm -hmm. that reminds me of it. But yeah, it's just a simple but beautiful classic throwback song that totally just feels so good to sing. Yeah. And we played the, I played bass and you played the slide together. Yeah. Yeah. So like once again like the same theme of like really trying to capture performances together. And, yeah. You know, as a producer on any project, not just this one, you know, that that is definitely something that I try to I try to always do um capturing conversation um mm. and you know, between musicians or just as as many different performers as can be playing or actually has like, you know, I mean sometimes that's not the vibe, sometimes you got to do things separately or it's best to do things separately. Mm-hmm. But like when you can develop those, uh, those, those opportunities to like actually capture stuff together, even if it seems like oh, it's like slide guitar and bass, you know, uh, you might not think that it's very important to to play those together, or it might not come to your mind that that's very important. But well, th- yeah, I mean, because it's funny because I've been you know recording with a few different people now and just getting the feel for like different producers and how they work. But yeah, I, I find it, it really kind of wonderful and interesting how, you know, with certain guitar solos or certain takes, like you, you really like like pretty much full takes. I mean, yeah, there's one line where the voice is like really soaring well. You can put that in there. But, you know, like the slide guitar on this song, like I played it all the way through. And of course, me being the musician, I didn't think it was good at all. And you're like, no, 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 it's good. And I was like, oh, God, I have to trust you, don't I? And then you come back to the week later, like, okay, that's not that bad. Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, I mean, I mean, so much of the time, I've spent a lot of my time, like, editing a lot of different takes together. You know, when I first, like, started working with Pro Tools and I started working with artists, I'd be like, oh, like... I can really exercise like this, like super anal retentive, like, Oh, I can like exercise like what I can contribute by like being really good at editing and editing stuff together. Um, and so like I, I got really good at it. I mean, I can edit, I can edit really quickly and I could do that. Um, but, but you, you know, don't. And my, I, I think that's, that's why you capture yeah. a nice essence and all the stuff that you do. Yeah. I mean, it's just like learning that like for the most part, actually 
the people that I'm working with, I mean, I just, I'm fortunate enough to be working with people that are truly great musicians and like takes that they might not think are, are good still, like are, are very, uh, uh, they complement the songs very well. Yeah. It just depends on how they're seen and how they're you know, uh, mixed into the tune. Yeah. So track three is called Smoke and Water, which is also the title of the album. Um, yeah, Smoke and Water is... I love this song. I, I love just... Well, I'm a songwriter, so, like, of course I love, <laughs> I love these songs because they're not only fragments of my soul, but they're just fragments of a timeline and a story and a picture um, within life. But Smoke and Water is about a wildfire, um, particularly... Um, right around the time of the Thomas Fire in Ventura, California. Um, but it kind of spread down, and there were separate fires down south where I was living by San Diego area, uh, north San Diego. And I've never witnessed a wildfire before. Um, so I wrote a song about it because there's something so powerful about two forces of nature, you know, kissing, basically, ocean and wildfire. Um, I just never thought about a wildfire right on the ocean before. Um, so, yeah, let's listen to a little bit of smoke and water. He's burning the force of God, destroying the So I think we recorded this song like in one day. Yep. Um, but it's funny because it's it's the song to me that has the most dreamlike quality um, and a lot of different cool essences added. Um, I love the the process and the experimentation around this song. We captured an essence of you know these like sirens almost singing singing behind me in the chorus and. Um, I love, love, love your piano playing. I love mm-hmm. the mystical little elements that you put in. It is so simple, but it, it, it just makes, it makes the music perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you you had a lot, um, a lot of creative input on the production of the song. I feel like. Yeah, we definitely. I think this was okay. So this would. Now, Here Goes Nothing was the first thing we recorded, and I think that this particular take of Smoking Water was the, the last, last thing, thing we recorded. recorded yeah. yeah, we did a do we did do a take of it before, I remember, but we decided to redo it. Yeah, um, we wanted it like just a little bit faster or something. Yeah, and, yeah we did redid it with a click too, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a really great call, honestly. I think it turned out and and uh. Yeah, and we had, like, my vocal booth now set up, so we had, like, a different setup going for it. I was able to use a different microphone. It sounded a little better. I mean, your performance was just... Your performance was super stellar. Thanks. Uh, the, we did vocals and guitar again together, and that's how we started, which was awesome. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then we added, like, a bunch of crazy ethereal things to it, which I think was... Really which cool. I love. I mean, because it, it just really... Mm-hmm. I wrote that song like based on the slide part of the song, which is really a texture to me, like a color and a texture. So everything that we added was just colors and textures. Honestly, throughout this whole album, I feel like everything 
added on top of like my guitar and voice was really just textures and colors. It wasn't even really a part to me. Yeah, the parts um, are all there. The yeah, parts are all there. It, it was it was really cool. Yeah. The I mean, yeah, we did the piano harp thing, which was really cool. Yeah, you we know. just like stuck our fingers in the piano, the upper the or the baby grand piano and just Yeah. You know put some sexy harmonies in the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> Taylor smash. Taylor played drums on this tune. He played drums on Here Goes Nothing too. Um yeah. which was great. Um and yeah, we just knocked it out on a date, which yeah. was tight. Which was tight. I think was like a really good like show of, of We're our, just hyper focused. Yeah, like we just got really comfortable. We started to understand like at least the process, I think, and, and got a little bit better at doing mm-hmm. it. And obviously like got to the point where we could just knock it out. Cool. All right, so track four is a cover song. Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow by Carol King. Um I love this cover. Um because it actually stemmed from, uh, you know, a painful moment in my life, you know, like about a year and a half ago, two years ago, I went through a breakup and the the song that kept coming to my mind or the lyrics that kept coming to my mind uh, was Carol King's Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow. But, you know, it's a happy song. It's like, will you still love me tomorrow? And it was almost like that happy melody was like mocking me. Um, but the words just kept on coming up for me because it was just so accurate. So basically I just was really sad one night and I locked myself in a dark bathroom with a lot of reverb and I sat on the floor and I played, I sang these lyrics, but I played them over like a minor, a minor key. And I was like, Oh, this is so creepy and awesome. (laughs) This is how the song needs to be sung. (laughs) Um, but yeah, and then I, um, I had a clarinet. It's a very simple, simple arrangement, but again, just really, really tasty. Um, Mitchell adds his, his harmonies, which it kind of creates this dynamic of, um, creates this dynamic of the duet between, um, male and female. So let's listen to a little bit of, uh, will you still love me tomorrow? Is this a lasting treasure or just a moment's pleasure? Can I believe the magic of your song? Yeah, so that song is awesome. And the first time you played it for me, I was uh, just blown away. Uh, all the covers that you do are just so clearly like you owning them, like taking them in and like running them through the Sara machine. Um, <laughs> I like that. Like, <laughs> and then like, and then yeah, and then all of a sudden you got a just this like crazy reinterpretation, and like, and I can say that about like every one of the songs, and. Uh, 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 every one of the songs that you cover. Uh, but this song, you know, I think honestly, like, I really do like it better than the original. I do like the original. The original is a really great song, but like, this does feel like, uh, at least like the message is more impactful. Like, I hear the song more. 
Um, and, uh, and I think that you really did a good job with that. I also would like to say that I love that you play the clarinet, um, and woodwinds in general. And the fact that you, uh, that you're putting them on the record, like your voice is like shining through these instruments. It's really beautiful, uh, what you can do with them. Um, and you play it like an instrument that I, I don't hear other people play the clarinet like that. Um, so it's, uh, it's really cool. I'm blushing. That's so sweet. I love the clarinet. <clears throat> I love, you know, old styles of like Yiddish and klezmer music, and you know. So I'm, um, I'm just really inspired by by being clarinets being played in a certain way. Um, and it was really important for for me to have clarinet on the album because it's it's so close to my soul. But yeah, track five, the next track is a song I wrote called Run. Um, again, love the song. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's about leaving a relationship that not only doesn't serve you, but is, is like a toxic relationship. Uh, but from the perspective of, you know, sometimes we stay in relationships for too long because we feel like, we can or we have to fix it or fix somebody um, or we have to be fixed or it can be salvaged. But sometimes you just have to run. <laughs> you just have to leave. Uh, you just have to walk away. Um, you know, I love the, the chorus. It says, a canary in the coal mine told me not to let the darkness choke me. And, you know, the a canary in the coal mine, that's an old phrase. You know, they would, um, back in the coal mining days, they would send, um, you know, actual canary birds down into the, the coal mines. Hmm. And if they, um, it was like their warning. So if they would, if they would come back up, that means like the air down there was like clean. But hmm. if the canary the canaries died in the cold mine. That means it wasn't safe for the humans to go down. Whoa. Did you not know that? No, I had no idea. Yeah, that's a phrase. It's like a canary in the coal mine. It's like a warning sign. Whoa. Yeah, so it's like a, a canary in the coal oh, mine told me not to, not to let the darkness, darkness choke, choke me. me. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes no, you got to I mean, stay, but some battles some, can't be won. I just won. thought you were just spitting bars. Like spitting some bars, no. That's sick. Yeah, Yo, that's tight. I like that. Little that's folklore, beautiful. folklore little yeah. thing. But, um, and I, you know... The thing that I'm most excited about this song as an artist is like the tempo changes and my um, confidence to just like not give a damn and just slow down and pause um, when I want to. And I think that creates like a really dramatic effect. And in fact, it, it reminds me of um classical music and how there's a lot of fermatas and holds and you know slight tempo changes and feels and stuff and i i think that's reflected in that um in a modern way but let's listen to a little run a canary in the Sometimes you just gotta run, 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 run. You just gotta run. 
So yeah, this is another song that's just solo dolo, uh, solo <laughs> rogo, uh, and uh, and I think it's really beautiful for it. Um, it's another one of the songs that you really should just be listening to the lyrics, one hundred percent. The the message is is super clear. Um, it's it's the style is like super unique extraordinarily unique i think it's like very cool like rapping a little bit in a way yeah no i mean like it's it's like what kind of song is this actually uh it's just i mean it's really tight you can hear your influences like a lot of that klezmer uh harmony uh that really dark harmonic minor sound uh that you like to use it sounds Um, like a little bit like french music too totally yeah and uh yeah and uh and i think that the message is is really powerful you know i mean i we've all not that we've all been in these situations but i mean like uh yeah like you can't control everything you can't control uh your uh you can't control the outcome of of a relationship especially if it's toxic and and you know we've all been in situations i guess i'm repeating myself but no i mean i've been in a situation where it's it would have just been better to cut and run um, than, than play it out or try to fix it. Um, and uh, and I think that that message is really powerful because it's something that you really should listen yeah, to. Yeah, because sometimes it's perceived as weak to run, you know, and that's why people don't, they, people stay for, for too long in a relationship that's just like, it's toxic. Whether it's a business or love or friendship or whatever, but, you know, it's like sometimes the strongest and most courageous thing you can do is to just walk away. Yeah. You know. So that's what that song is about. Absolutely. Track six, cover song, uh, is Jolene by Dolly Parton. Yeah. It was done in a very, very different way. Um, Let's listen to a little bit of it. Jolene, Jolene, Jolene. So I've always loved this song. I love Dolly Parton. And I, I love the original a ton. But this particular cover actually arose from me just tuning my guitar, my resonator guitar, to a certain tuning. Um, and me just really wanted to figure out that song on my open tuning resonator. Uh, and it kind of arose from there. And again, like I feel the lyrics match the tone of that song for me personally a lot better. Um, and I just love songs where I could put slide over it. Yeah. So. No, that's great. I didn't know this song before before you played I'd never heard this song before. Maybe I had heard it before, but I, it just didn't register. I don't remember it. Um, oh. And it's an amazing song, Dolly Parton. I love you. You're awesome. But I just didn't know the song. Um and uh yeah and honestly i heard it and i was like yo this song is sick like <laughs> this song is tight uh and i was like who wrote this you know uh so it was good to find out uh 
because it made me just want to check out more Dolly Parton. She's mm-hmm. like amazing. Oh, she's, a, she's a legend. Yeah. And Kat told me there's actually a funny story about uh, Dolly Parton is that she wrote that song, Jolene, and like another one of her bangers. I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, oh, like like really famous one, all in the same day. Yes, both of them oh in the same day. Oh, my God. That's, yeah. that's a legend. That's what yeah. we would call a, a legend. Yes. A, uh, um, paid the cost to be the boss. <laughs> uh, Dolly Parton. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, that was sick. I played cello on that song. You had cello. We yeah, had some piano yeah. on it. A little piano. Oh, yeah. A little effect on the piano to make it sound all kind of like mystical. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Got some mystical vibes in there. I'm all about that. Yeah, it's great. I really, I think that one came out really well. Yeah. Um, so track seven, Love and Be Loved, is a song I wrote. Um, well, I started it a while ago and finished it not too long ago. And the song means a lot to me because it's a, I, I don't write a ton of love songs. Um, but when I do, they're always from a very particular angle. And this song is about loving somebody but letting them be. Just like kind of letting them be free. Um, and I love the lyrics, how, how simple they are. You know, I want to love and be loved by you, hold and be held by you too. Um, it doesn't matter where we go. I don't need that much from you just to love and be loved by you. So let's hear a little bit of it. I want to love and be loved by you. Um, so I, for one, uh, really appreciate how this song displays your mastery of lyrical poetry. Um, it is so easily the kind of song that could have just been bad. Um, like (laughs) it totally could have just been a bad song, you know? Uh, and, uh, and it really takes uh, an understanding of phrasing and an understanding of lyrics and what you can and can't use and what you can and can't say and how to toe the line of what is cheesy and what is like truly meaningful. Um, and then also taking those good lyrics and performing them well, like performing them like like you really mean it because you do. Hmm. Um, and uh, and it's a really, I think also uh, uh, that's really, you know the kind of production that at least the approach that I I was trying to help contribute with when I was working on thinking of like what kind of things that we could put in it, like bass or piano or drums. Yeah, I personally struggled with figuring out what I wanted on this track. So you really kind of swooped in and, um, you know, yeah. Yeah. Had... Cause it is like, I mean, we just took a classic, classic band approach to it. Like there's not actually like, anything special or fancy Mm -mm. about about what we did but i think that the the approach was trying to match the intention of the songwriting itself as well which is like actually just do it with class you know you're Um, right yeah class is it's yeah class is a good word yeah the song is a classic song and you know we're not reinventing the wheel we're just gonna we're gonna make a really fucking nice looking wheel you know, I I agree, and I think if this song was overproduced, it would have been mad cheesy. Yeah, you know, totally. And oh, I yeah, think no. that's why I struggled figuring out what I wanted because I knew that was the case because the lyrics are already like so simple and like 
teetering on the line of like a little bit like cliche and cheesy, but because they're just so simple and timeless, it really works. But if you like try to squeeze it into like, you know, a very typical and like overproduced, um, you know, track that, that runs a risk. So I love the simplicity of it. Um, just guitar, piano, bass, drums, Yep. you know, yep, yep. super simple, super heartfelt. Um, yeah, cool. All right. Um, track eight, take me to the water. Yes. <laughs> that one's, that one's a fun one. We'll, we'll start just by, by listening to a little bit of it. And swell in castles made of coral, in kingdoms made of shell. I plead the sky, don't leave me dry. I'm deeper and deeper and deeper in my cry. Take me to the water. Take me home. Okay, so this is a song I love to play live so much. Um, I I I just love to play guitar on the song. Um, I tune my guitar to kind of like a drone. Um, open tuning and it has this kind of like almost like an Irishy sea shanty type of feel um, foot stomping you know type vibe but I, I wrote this song you know not just about loving the ocean and like loving the water but it's more of a daydream it's more of a um, memory of me sitting in class as a young girl and I, I remember it actually very particularly I would I don't know why I would want to space out in Spanish class the most but um but I would space out and I would imagine myself becoming a professional surfer in Hawaii <laughs> or <laughs> or being underwater um just living underwater or just always by the ocean and I just wanted that that so badly. I wanted that life. I wanted that. I wanted to be a mermaid, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and so the song, you know, it even starts out with tapping toes and watching time. I dreamt of things that were not mine. A hidden picture in my book held creases of the waters breaking lines. I took my finger to a drawn out map where ink drew waves upon a siren's cast. I closed my eyes and I held my breath went deeper and deeper and I said take me to the water take me home um Epic. it it's just about me closing my eyes and envisioning this underwater world that was my reality yeah um but this one not only was fun to it's fun to write and perform but it was really cool um to be in the recording process of it and totally. and you you had a lot of really great ideas this started out as me just um sitting on a kick drum playing and and um playing guitar to like a simple kick drum but we just ended up adding some like primal style drums and some harmonies and stuff totally and i remember you were you were really convinced you didn't want to add anything to this song yeah um or maybe not convinced but you were just like i don't see the need to uh -huh. add anything and uh, i'm really 
glad that we did because uh it's funny you compared it to uh, irish folk music and uh and i definitely see that comparison and the thing is like i also see uh uh like hun her two vibes like that folk as well like i see the folk uh, like the the actual like essence of folk which is like non i don't think it's nationalized like folk everywhere kind of has the same like same vibe to it which i think is something that's really beautiful about it but like i hear that i hear that tribal um it's very tribal and uh and uh so it was great that we got to add that stuff because like you know you had shown me hun her too and i was like oh this is cool yeah hun so for those of you don't know her what hun her too is um it's tuvin throat singing band it's really pretty epic just yeah. Look them up. They're pretty they're pretty epic. Or any like Tuvan throat singing um vibes. Yeah. That's super cool. Like the Tibetan Yeah. Uh, Which I'm also very inspired by. Yeah, just so like yeah. That Those essence like, pokes right through. Yeah. <laughs> Traditional. Uh but it's cool cuz like I'm I'm glad that we did that too cuz like that was another song we did just live originally. It was just like slide guitar and vocals um and kick. And uh and that song was also not to a click so it kind of is just like ebbing and flowing rhythmically um and going with the vibe of of the performance that you gave um so it was nice uh to add other things in as well that contextualized those grooves and like helped you really feel those like you know feel the waves um of of the performance as well which i think is uh also just indicative of the you know the subject matter of the song which is funny also it's funny that it's because because it's a folk song uh uh balam he plays with he plays with uh he plays with this guy around town uh sk kakraba who's like this amazing african jill player uh like west african ghana jill player and he uh and he plays a bunch of songs and i asked balam one time because he he plays on the jill and he has a band like balam plays bass and and uh uh and uh he sings as well and so i asked Palam one time i was like what does he sing about because he's singing in in uh whatever Ghanaian language is and uh and Balam was like yeah i asked him that once and he and he's like oh this song is called uh let's go farming you know hmm. and uh and it's just a song about going and it's this like insane like beautiful like classically written uh like crazy rhythms uh amazing gone in music and 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 it's like something that's like so heady sounding in some ways and then like he's just singing about going farming you know i mean he's just doing what traditionally uh people do and find joy doing out in west africa and uh and so like you know you singing about like take me to the water and like something that's like you know that really is just like deep rooted in your soul like you're just expressing something that i would i would expect to hear from folk music you know um, which is cool. Hmm. Thank you. Track nine, second to last track, um, is a song that me and Mitchell actually wrote together. It's called Witch Wolf. And I adore the content of this song. Um, there's that old, you know, folklore story and tale about, you know, two wolves, you know, are in the woods and, um, one represents fear and the other represents love or, or something. And, you know, the wolf that you choose to feed is the one that will grow and the one that you starve will die. And uh, we wanted to, to write a song about that. And so, mm-hmm. so let's listen to a little bit. 
Standing in the clearing of the trees Both these beasts are begging at my knees One is fear, the other is the light Both cry for what I've come to sacrifice Two lonely hungry wolves Oh, beware what you believe One will grow up strong The other destined to be weak So it will be the wolf that you feed So I, I love the tone of that song, like mm-hmm. the colors of that song. It's, it's so very mystical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that song is... Okay, so that is officially the first song we started working on yeah. together. Because after we um, finished that, we're like, oh my gosh, like we should do more stuff together. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and that was also like the last song that we finished, maybe. It was one of the very last songs. That yeah, because we, we added a lot to the song. Yeah, that was the song that I think that we had the hardest time figuring out the arrangement for. Everything else sort of fell into place really easily. And I remember that song. Like, I definitely, like, put stuff in. And then I was like, oh, like, no, that doesn't serve the song. Um, and so it took a little work, I think, at least from my perspective, to figure out how, how that one was going to work. Um, but I think the context of the rest of the record and everything else that we did together definitely helped. Because we ended up incorporating, like... The clarinet. Uh, the clarinet. Yeah. And like Taylor's drumming and like we had a better approach of like the rock uh-huh. kind of style that we were with that at least Taylor was gonna be, you know, doing on the other songs on the record. So it made more sense um from that perspective. And um yeah, that was that was I love this song. The song is, is awesome. Yeah. I also uh uh thank you, Drew Dolan, for uh putting th- the which wolf do you feed uh thing in my head at least originally we started mm-hmm. talking about that that night because you had mentioned wolves you'd been seeing wolves in your dreams mm-hmm. um and uh and drew had just met i just been playing music with him like a couple of days before that and he was like and he told me the whole uh anecdote about uh you know you have uh uh like there's 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 two wolves uh in your heart or at least uh uh metaphorically speaking uh and like one is one is representing fear one is representing uh uh love um and there's a constant battle in your heart uh between those two wolves um and the only question is which wolf is going to win and the answer to that question is which wolf you feed yeah um so if you feed fear in your heart then f- then fear will rule your life and if you feed love then love will rule your life um and uh yeah and i i mean it's just it's a really beautiful uh metaphor and yeah uh, and that was our first co-write that was that was really no it wasn't our first co-write it was the i think it was the first time that we like fully finished um together yeah and it was really it was really nice going through that writing process because sometimes co-writing for me can be challenging um, just really opening up to another person. Um, but it was really exciting to finish a song that I liked, but also I loved the the content of it. You know, this is something I actually want to perform and then I can like stand behind. 
there's a lot of songs I write and there's a lot of songs I write with people. I was like, oh, this is great. This is a great song. But I'm like, I don't know if I want to like sing this on like my stage, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But this is a song like I, I really believe in. Um, and yeah, that was that was a really good session. Yeah, yeah, it was. All right, the last track of the album, and this is actually Mitchell's decision um, on the last track, is a cover song of Voodoo Child by Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. But it's it's, like, it's the exact kind of opposite of, of Hendrix's version. This is just me and a guitar, and I think a kick drum. Mm-hmm. My, you know, my slide guitar, it's super eerie vibes. Let's give a little listen. Chop it down with the edge of my hands But I stand there next to a mountain I chop it down with the edge of my hands Pick up the pieces, make an This song actually, like, I get the impression that that your performance of this song, like, if Jimmy heard this, it would definitely make him smile. Mm. Like, he'd be like, yeah, that's what's up. All right. That's that funk, you know? <laughs> and he'd be so down. Like, I, I love your performance of this song. And I think that it captures the raw, intense, and totally flamboyant en- energy that you get from Jimi Hendrix. Um, and, uh, and like, you're like, and you're like, yo, yeah, I'm Sarogo. And like, I can throw down just as hard, Yeah, you know, like I really can throw down on this rock and I can make this song, you know, I mean, you're obviously like putting in your flair. It's, it doesn't sound like Jimmy playing the song. It sounds like you playing the song, but like that intense energy is still there that you feel. From yeah. Both well, and it's intense. I mean, when I play that song, especially live, like. I forget where I am. Like I go to like a different place. I feel like energy around me. It's almost just like I'm allowing myself to like channel like some type of energy that like, oh, I don't know. It doesn't feel like mine. Like when I play certain songs, some cover songs, especially, I just like, they're like codes for unlocking Mm -hmm. a certain like spirit realm or something. And that song is just like, that's it for me. Like it, I go to another place. Totally. Um, it's the kind of thing you would hear like Jimmy playing solo voodoo child at the end of, at the end of like a, you know, double LP or something, you know, and just like, you know, some stuff from the sessions that he just had this really sick performance and here, I'll put that on there too. And, you know, and so I think it fits really well in the spot. Um, it, it tails off the record in a nice way. It also, once again, reasserts the, I am doing this. Like I am Sar Rogo this is my music and like I'm performing this song and all of these songs, you know, um, just because it's solo, solo Sara. So, yeah. Um, and I think that that honestly, uh, 
you know, just from just poetically feels right to me. Um, uh, so yeah, I think that was a good call, but that was my call. So yeah, well, that's what the pro- I mean, that's why it's cool. Like you know, producers are. You know, I'm gonna have another podcast episode. I'll probably have a, a, a bunch of episodes with Mitchell on because he has so many amazing, interesting things to say, but just about producing in general, because it's something I'm learning so much about. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like a whole nother like skill set and, and muscle in the mind. But, um, you know, it was not only cool to like learn how to trust him in that artistic way, but then also step in and co-produce with him on a lot of things. Um, because as an artist, it's good to have like an outside separate source of opinion and and vision in a way. Because yeah, like you're right, I listen back to honestly not even just the song, probably many of the songs. I'm like, oh, ah, oh my god, my voice, ew, oh my guitar, ugh. and you're like, no, like that's that's the stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Trust me, it's okay. And I'm like, mm. So because of that fact, I've learned so much about myself as a human being and as an artistic being um, through the recording process because, God, like, yeah, it's like taking your soul and throwing it under a microscope and being forced to freaking look at it and listen to it and love it and trust it Mm -hmm. because I have to trust my soul and my voice that this shit is good enough to put out into the world truth and patience and patience patience is a big one especially with recording i think I definitely and that's something that. i think i'm working on the most absolutely and patience <laughs> is also self-love you know like patience with yourself yeah. patience with what you're hearing and how you hear it and uh you know just like I mean, sometimes you have to do more than one take. Sometimes it's not the first take. Sometimes it's the 60th take. You know, I was reading this How the Beatles Did It book, and, like, everything they did was always, like, 50 takes, you know? Wow. Does that mean that you have to do, like, 50 takes? No, that means the Beatles did 50 takes. I'm, like, done after, like, three takes. (laughs) Exactly, you know? I think too hard after, like, the second take. Exactly. And so, like, it's, you know, every situation's different. Um, And, like learning to because because it's that it's that if you don't have the patience for it too like if a take is just like if it's starting to go downhill it means patience is running low it means that your expectation is higher than the performance level that you're at and and it's going to just continue to push it under Mm. you know and push it down in a way so like uh you know i think i think developing patience is is a really valuable skill set to have uh, in life, but in the recording studio specifically, I think it can be very, uh, very helpful. Um, and, uh, and it's difficult and which is why I, and which is why I record music the way that I do. It's difficult in today's world. It's difficult with the, the mindset that a lot of people have about recording. Like, Oh, I have to like go to this super fancy studio. I have to use the best gear in the world. Like, otherwise it won't sound professional or it won't sound good. Um, and, uh, and I've really tried to make an effort, um, over the last, you know, cause I've, I, you know, I, I worked at the village and they're awesome. I love the village. It's a great studio. They are amazing. And, and what they do for the world is, is extraordinary. Um, 
But I will also say that like you really don't need to go to a studio like that to make a professional record. You know, you can make really great music. Yeah. Um, with anything, you know, like Bonnie Vare, like I don't know what he made his record. I think like a fifty-seven and an M box or something. Yeah, and totally. Like, and like you know, some of that music is incredible. Like, just all about the intention and the soul behind it. It's not necessarily, you know. Yeah. the money or like the type of studio you go into like mm-hmm. and that's why I, I mean i'll bring it back to this is that like that's why i love mitchell and his studio because it's just embedded with really good uh, vibes i mean for lack of a better word i know i sound like a hippie but it's like really good vibes man <laughs> but yeah like you can tell some like good spirits live here you know and music lives in the walls and everybody who passes through are good people Mitch is is golden. He has a heart of gold, thank and you, and a brilliant mind. And um, that's the type of thumbprint I want on my music. I think that's the place to start: is finding, you know, the beautiful land and fertilizer before you even begin to plant the seed, mm-hmm. or even decide what seeds to plant. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah, you need to you need to cater to your garden with love, you know. And it's hard to cater to your garden with love if you think you only have one day and you're going to spend fifteen hundred dollars for eight hours, yeah. of, you know. But like, you know, if you if you really take the time and come and 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 play music, we're playing music. It's called playing music for a reason, um, and uh, and you got to live by those words because if you if you treat it like work or if you treat it like something, then you, it's going to sound like work, and it's not going to sound like it's not going to sound like you played it. Um, and uh, and I think that that's very important, you know. Um, I was talking to Taylor about that the other day. I was like, um, uh, he was stressing, I think, about something in a record that he's making, which is also amazing. He's putting Taylor is soon. the drummer on, on my record, Taylor Robinson. Um, but he had said something, and I just I replied offhandedly, like something I've been thinking about, which is just like, if you stress out while you're making music, you're going to imbue your music with that stress. Um, and and that's, that's not just stress. It's really just anything that you have on your mind and in your heart when you're in the process of doing it. Um, so if you're frustrated, your music's going to sound frustrated, um, which it might not necessarily be bad or wrong. Like punk music, like great example, like angst and frustration. It's like bleeding out of the music and it is part of what makes that music what it is. So I'm not saying you can't make music if you feel a certain way, or, but you really can't like let those feelings like hold you back from making the music that you're going to make. You can't expect your music to be different than what's what you're feeling in your heart, and you just have to allow it to sound the way that it's going to sound, you know, and like feed into that, you know, whatever those are. Um, but yeah, that's I mean, not, not necessarily to do with this particular project, but but I think we did that with this project. Too, yeah, I and I I think that's something that you taught me um taught me a lot or something that i've also discovered while doing this project is it's a, it's about the process mm-hmm. and and that's kind of why i wanted to hop on and you know tell you guys about this process because it's not just like some disc that i'm putting out you know it has a story to it it has such a story to it that will be with me for the rest of my life um, throughout the rest of my journey so mm-hmm. wanted to give you a little glimpse into that it's going to be released friday september 13th um by the time this episode is posted it might already have been released or it's about to be released 
But yeah, Friday, September 13th on all platforms. It's even available on a CD if you guys still collect those. Back in my day. I know. Back in my day, I used to buy some CDs. I don't have any cassettes. Sorry. Um, But yeah, and you can order those as well. But um, thank you guys so much for the support. Um, And thank you, Mitchell, for, for supporting me. And um, I'm so excited to put this record out. Yeah, I cannot wait. And um, I can't wait to make more music as well. That is reciprocated. So if you enjoy this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would share it. Uh, if you would want to rate or comment or subscribe. One star. One star. No, just get at least Do give not it two. recommend. What not listen again? These guys are idiots yeah right oh, no, honestly but this is this is probably the least idiotic episode that i've recorded so far <laughs> I'm, just, oh. I'm just joking no i love your episode oh, thank great. you but anyway so if you enjoy this podcast subscribe you know um follow me on instagram alchemy through artistry or you know my music page sarah rogo um and thanks again for listening we'll see you next time bye guys bye